Hey listeners, and welcome back to another episode of My Streaming Bubble. It's that podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I am tolerating Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. And today, (laughs) I don't tolerate a lot of people. I don't know what that (laughs) says about me. (laughs) Maybe, maybe people are, maybe I just have a few people that tolerate me. Who knows? But Laura's back today and we are going to talk about Mr. Robot season one. We're going to try real hard focusing mostly on season one. I just got done telling her how much I love the show, love season four, and cannot wait to discuss season four. So even though we all know how the show, the series ends, we will focus only on season one and all our fun little twists and Mr. Robot twists of season one. This was Laura's pick the show to cover the show for the podcast uh, because Laura is uh, a hacker in training. She's going to school to be a hacker. (laughs) She's going to hacker you. (laughs) I want there to be a school called that now. But no, Laura is very smart in the IT techie ways. Um, I think, had you already watched some of this or this was a brand new watch for us? I know it kept coming up in my classes, like other people who are much more nerdy than me were like oh Mr. Robot Mr. Robot Mr. Robot and they'd put like little references to it in their homework and I'm like okay I have no idea what you're talking about and then I went to a a cybersecurity conference for work and one of the keynote speakers was the head of the company that consulted for Mr. Robot and they actually name drop him in one of the scenes in the later seasons so he played that clip and, you know, he also played a bunch of the hackery stuff from the show. I'm just like, oh, wait, this is a legit hackery show, not like something where people are like keyboard warring or something where they're like racing each other on two different screens. And it's like, no, no, that's not how hacking works. And I get so annoyed with that. And then I'm watching this and I'm like, he's using Metasploit. Oh, my God. I love Metasploit. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, I need to watch this show. I did not anticipate it being a complete mindfuck of a show. I really didn't know what I was getting into other than the fact that I'm like, oh, it's legit cybersecurity. Wow. My job is cool enough to be on TV for real. <laughs> That's what got me into it. Right on. Yeah. One thing that I had read about the series was that um, Sam Ismail, I think is his name, the writer creator of Mr. Robot. Yeah. He wanted to do like a, kind of a hacker themed show uh, because of how inaccurate hacking has been portrayed in other movies and and shows in the past. So he wanted to show it in a more realistic light. Me not knowing anything about that shit. I, whatever, it's all hacking. My kids will watch me type an email and I'm just like typing and I type relatively fast, I guess. And and the youngest calls it, he's like, oh mom, are you hacking? You hacking? (laughs) Like I'm seeing... I'm emailing your teacher (laughs) about picture day or some shit. (laughs) That's, that's what traditional pop culture portrayal of hackers has done. And Mr. Robot kind of makes fun of that and accepts that at the same time. Cause like, okay, it's always dark hoodies and typing really fast and saying things like I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
And, you know, he's got the dark hoodie going on. And when he is typing, he does type very fast. But of course, the dude sits on computers all day long. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be really funny if they focused on him, like, as a young person in a typing class at school, learning the proper, like, a way to put your hands. Oh, my God. Did you have... I remember in elementary school, our typing program that we used was PAWS, P-A-W-S. And that's Uh what taught us placement of the fingers and how you reach for the keys and everything. So that would be really funny to see Elliot sitting down like a flashback and learning PAWS. (laughs) It would have been hilarious. Like if that was his start into hacking. He hacked PAWS so he could pass typing class or something. Yeah. Actually, that would have been, that would have been like so personally gratifying for me because I failed typing because <laughs> I can't move my fingers like that. Why do you want me to reach all that away with my pinky? I can't even get it to do what I want it to do. So I'm just going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's it. We've written the, the prequel series. So that's the premise. Mm-hmm. He hacks pause. Hacking pause. <laughs> so I would have to say... You know, Mr. Robot, I had heard plenty of great things about it. I didn't really know shit about it uh, until I actually started watching it. And what a fascinating show. Every, it really is. So again, just trying to stick to season one. But, you know, you have that hacking component to it, the vigilanteism to it, the fuck society aspect to it, and bringing down the man and meanwhile, you have all these characters kind of broken in their own way and how they're all still... What a well-timed show, too. I mean, Absolutely. the whole fuck society thing. Like, that came about at the perfect time. Absolutely. So, in season one, we're introduced to this wonderful group of characters. We have Elliot, who is the hacker vigilante, who's got social anxiety, you know, depression, um, whole nice handful handbasket of mental illness issues then we have uh mr robot himself the leader of f society kind of pulling these other characters together to perform this hack to wipe out the world debt bring down the man which is honestly something we've all dreamed about whether we're hackers or not yes wouldn't it be great if one of these vigilantes just managed to do something like that you know for the little guy. Mm-hmm. I think anyone with any kind of debt, school, credit, otherwise, has had that fantasy, had that daydream. So yep. we, uh, So, what did you think of season one when you first watched it? How blown was your mind? Well, you know, at first, I was like fangirl squeeing because... <laughs> He's like cybersecurity pro by day, a hacker, a vigilante by night. And, you know, he, that first sting he did with the coffee shop owner, mm-hmm. like, that was, that was really cool. And it was, it was morally appropriate. And, and you know, and he was taking down, you know, a legit bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really you get know, out your so, rooting for him right off the bat. You're just like, so, yeah, you know, go Elliot. You're like, this dude's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course, I went into it knowing that there was legit, like, the legit techie stuff going to be in it. And I guess I was under the, the I don't know, the incorrect assumption that that was the focus of the show. And it wasn't. It's the setting for the show. 
Um, and it, you know, it came into the foreground when it needed to, and it really wasn't that. So, you know, on the one hand, I was like, Ooh, this is so awesome. On the other hand, I'm like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be at all, but you know what? It's, it's really interesting. I kind of want to stick with it anyway and see where this goes. And that's kind of how it went. Like I watched the first episode. And I was like, huh, let's, let's watch one more. And then, then I was just like, I need to finish this whole season and this whole series like mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> so I felt you know. the same way. I felt the same way. It was just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is, you know, for me, like, oh, this is pretty cool, pretty interesting. Okay, not really what I thought. And yeah, yeah, let's go ahead on to the next episode. Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead on the next step. What the fuck is going on next episode? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Towards the end of the first season, you're like, oh my God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> and, you know, that's a really rare feeling for a TV show these days. Like, yeah. okay, I've been watching another show, which despite it being a comic book show in the DC-verse, not the Arrowverse, but still (laughs) in the DC-verse, you know, I kind of have this really soft spot for Lucifer, right? I'm enjoying it in spite of itself because it is one of those cheesy buddy cop things just with a, like, supernatural comic booky religious twist. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so predictable, like frustratingly predictable. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, I get the same feeling watching that as I do watching a horror movie where it's like, just no, don't, don't run up the stairs. Why, why would you do that? You know, like, <laughs> you know, this, this type of thing, that's the kind of reaction I have to most shows. Uh, but this, this one, this one completely took that away from me. And it was kind of a liberating experience. Because it also meant that I couldn't just sit there surfing on my phone while I'm watching. I had to pay attention to this show. You and have to. even better, I wanted to. Yes, I, I completely agree. That's always, and I think I've mentioned it in uh, other episodes where I'm like, if it, if it gets me to put my phone down, then it is a really great show. And the show, as much as I was like, I need to check my Tamagotchi. <laughs> I'm like, my Tamagotchis can wait. They'll starve. I don't give a fuck. I need to know what's happening. And the dialogue, and it's so well-written, and there's so many amazing monologue rants that Elliot has, um, especially like in some of my favorite monologues. He's got a really good one. I think like straight away when we first see him sitting with uh, Krista, his psychiatrist, and Mm -hmm. I love that he has such a soft spot for her. And really in terms of like a medical professional is the only one he trusts. I mean, we see when he's, um, when he wakes up in the hospital after Mr. Robot pushes him off the railing. Uh, I think it's that one, but yeah, he wakes up in the hospital and it's his psychiatrist and his drug dealer, (laughs) the two, two people in the room that were called. (laughs) It's nice to know your drug dealer cares. Yeah. Well, Shayla was listed as his emergency contact. Well, he really didn't have anyone else besides them at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Angela was his friend and been his friend since childhood. But even before he started down this F society track, there was some uh, degree of distance between them. And it's weird because, you know, 
we get the sense pretty much right away that she knows a lot more about him than we do. Mm-hmm. Which is great because the way the show portrays us as the audience is something in his head and we don't know him very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a really weird premise in, its, in of itself. Like you don't really get to see the full extent to what she knows about him until the, the series unfolds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's got this supposed best friend from childhood and yet she has absolutely nothing to do with his real day-to-day life outside of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it came down to things like that yeah yeah no one really and he made it that way so, so yeah. it's kind of interesting yeah oh Shalem dear sweet sweet Shayla I liked her I liked her so much and like she would have been a cool person to hang out with you know absolutely and it was really cute in one of the episodes where Elliot kind of decides that you know what they're going to be boyfriend, girlfriend. He's going to bring Shayla to the dinner at his boss's house, Gideon's. Oh, and that was hilarious. That was so hilarious because when Elliot decides that, yeah, I'm going to try my hand at a, quote, normal life, and he goes in and tells get to tell Gideon that, yeah, he'll be at, the, at his dinner party, and he's going to bring his girlfriend and leaves the office. Gideon turns to someone else. He's like, was he drinking a Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what that's what stood out the most. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a that was a great scene because yeah, that was that was that's Elliot's perception of a normal life uh-huh. is is get is getting your getting your morning Starbucks in even if it makes you late for work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God bless Elliot. But yeah, and then yeah, so Shayla. Because we see in a later episode when Elliot first meets Shayla, and that was such a sweet little moment, so cute, and it was, and it's right off the heels of Elliot finding Shayla dead in the trunk of the car that he's been hauled around in. So yeah, because in jumping around like we typically do, well, Mr. Wanna, Robot jumps around, so we totally can too. Yeah. It's fine. Because yeah, I just, I wanted to, because I just, I loved the Shayla character. I thought she was so sweet. And even upon their first meeting, you can kind of tell that there's, there's some sparks. You know, she says to Elliot that she only knows one guy who's a psycho that she could get the Suboxone from. And she's like, you might be worth dealing with a psycho. Uh, well, you know, in some ways she's totally not wrong, but in other ways... It's just so I sad. Know. I don't know sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. the psycho that she is referring to is Fernando, Fernando Vera. And he is such a, such a crazy piece of shit. But I found him to be really interesting as a character. Oh, totally. Actually, though, I found him more interesting to begin with. And when his role almost seemed to be reduced to like... Uh, red herring status in in later seasons. I was like, oh, that's really all they were going to do with this guy? How disappointing. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something because there's not a lot about Mr. Robot to be disappointed with. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I had higher hopes for that character and what his involvement in the show could have been. And, you know, that wasn't really it for me. No. I, I really... 
I, when, when season one ended, I thought that was, and cause so Fernando Vera is the psychotic drug dealer that Shayla goes to, to get Elliot's drugs. Cause Elliot does morphine, but he tries to be a responsible drug user. And also at the same time he gets his morphine, he gets his uh, withdrawal meds. And so to try and maintain that, that routine, he gets his drugs through Shayla. He goes over to Shayla's house one day and Fernando Vera's there all jacked out and Shayla's quote, taking a bath. We find out later that, yep, Fernando drugged her, raped her, left her in the bathtub, but he has this conversation with Elliot. And, but anyway, so that's how we first meet Fernando Vera. And then he eventually goes to jail because Elliot decides to put him in jail, even though right. Shayla asked him not to. But this is Elliot trying to do a, a good thing to protect someone he cares about. Yep. It unfortunately and, backfired. Yeah. Big time. Big time. But, you know, it also seemed like there were other ways that that could have been accomplished without being so easily traced back to him. Because the code language that Vero and his gang were using for murders and drugs and, and whatnot is pretty childish. Like, mm-hmm. how did the police not figure it out on their own? Right. Are they, are they really that inept? And maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I, apparently, because, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty elementary type codes. Not all that cryptic or anything like that. No, and apparently this was their genius scheme that had helped them build up such a giant operation over the course of the years. Yep. So Vera goes to jail, and then Vera wants out of jail, so he convinces Elliot to hack the prison system to get him out. Through Vera's brother and his right hand, they kidnap Shayla and use her as leverage bargaining chip to make sure Elliot does what they want. Elliot hacks the police department and is able to release Vera. And Elliot demands that Vera release Shayla. And Vera's like, well, tosses him the keys to the car. He's like, I told you you'd get her back. You just didn't realize how close. Elliot opens the trunk and we don't see right away what's going on in the trunk. So for a split second, I was like, please just be unconscious. Please just be unconscious. No. Throat slit, bleeding in the trunk. Yeah. I mean, you see Elliot's face fall. Yeah. It was, that was really hard. And it was so sad because, yeah, I loved that Shayla character. She's, she was so sweet and she seemed like a nice balance to Elliot. Yeah. And, you know, let's not skip over the fact that Vera not only arranged all that, but he arranged it all with the secondary purpose of killing his own brother. Yes. Because, yeah, his brother, Vera's brother, never really wanted him out of prison. No, he didn't. Which was an interesting surprise, because, you know, he, he was definitely playing it well that he did. Um, but Elliot's hack in the police station. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Like, okay, so it had the gimmicky classic setup of, you know, using Darlene as as bait, mm-hmm. um, you know, to distract the worker, cop. Yeah, yeah it totally, it, which totally works because, I mean, you know, she often dressed stereotypically like one would in TV. So mm-hmm. why not use that, right? <laughs> um, but then, you know, he he found this vulnerability in the cop car of all places. Like, 
and use the use the cop car as a pivot into the prison the prison's network, which is otherwise very well locked down. Mm-hmm. It was just it was beautifully done, and that was the kind of stuff that I was watching the show for. I'm just like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I was just surprised well, at how much hacking can be done on a phone. <laughs> oh, phones are ridiculously powerful tools. Apparently, especially if you have Android ones, because you can download stuff. <laughs> Cool. I, I wanted to say quick that uh, the actor that played Vera's brother, uh, I forgot that he was in this, but the actor's name is Rick Gonzalez, and I had recognized him initially from Arrow, because he's, uh, he's on Team Arrow. He plays Mad Dog. Uh, character name is Renee. So it was kind of interesting to see see that actor from a role that I'm more familiar with him in as more as a ruthless bad guy not super ruthless but you know what i mean like he was willing to self-centered yeah self-centered um mean (laughs) he was so mean keeping elliot you know somewhat a prisoner in his own apartment to try and complete the the prison hack yeah there's a lot of ironies Mm -hmm. the twist of uh vera shooting his own brother was a bit of a shock at the time too. I was just like, holy fuck. Well, okay then. I guess they really loved each other and yeah. you know. But there was a line that Elliot says about Vera, something about Vera might be a psychopath, but he understands the savagery of the world in one of his kind of monologues and kind of wondered if that's part of the reason why I liked the character. I mean, he's also kind of odd in the sense that you know, he's all about name meanings and the universe and bringing everyone together. And he's totally into that whole astrology shit and everything. Yeah. But he's ridiculously smart. Ridiculously smart. Yeah. He's not just some dumb gangster type. But then later on, it seems like you just get to see how much his intelligence and his creativity is wasted Mm -hmm. on on the limitations of his circumstances mm-hmm. like he never rose above that and he could have he just didn't have it in him to figure that out on his own yeah no he was he was a very interesting character and i thought that once he drove away um after being broken out of prison and can i just say real quick that i would have figured they would have parked a little farther from the prison if planning to break them out holy shit how did they not get caught i know they were in plain view and there was like nothing obstructing anyone from getting there it's like okay yeah they totally got away with this so that was a little unrealistic yeah again (laughs) then again maybe that's why it worked maybe we didn't know have you ever busted anyone out of prison no not in the last few hours no if i did i wouldn't say i had you know (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was going to be the end of Fernando Vera for this for the series. He was just kind of the a conflict of the season, and that was it. But he comes back in the later later seasons, and in a way, I was glad because of how everything plays out. And we'll obviously dive more into that when we get to that season. Right. Let's see who else should we talk about? Ooh, let's do Tyrell. All right. Let's just skip right on to Tyrell and his weird American psycho vibes. 
Danish psycho. Danish psycho vibes that he's putting off and his wife, Joanna, which is more terrifying than, than Tyrell out of the two, I think. She's so cold and calm and calculated. Like we see a couple of times Tyrell lose his shit because he's not going to become CTO of Evil Corp. He's impatient. He's impatient. He's gotten used to getting things at the pace he's gotten them up to this point. I mean, to be at that level of an executive at his age, that suggests in in the corporate world in general, but especially in the context of E Corp being Evil Corp in Elliot's mind, mm-hmm. that he's done some things already, you know? So when you put that into perspective, like I think he's gotten a little too used to getting his way. Um, but then you see why, and I think why is Joanna. Yeah, she's definitely the motivator. But yeah, she's she's just stays so cool and calm and collected. You know, she doesn't she's not overly emotional and and flipping out over things. She's and that's kind of what makes she's her more terrifying. Stone cold. Yeah, their their whole relationship is all about obtaining the power. And which position. is a classic, yeah, and do, willing to do literally anything and anyone to accomplish that goal. <laughs> so it's so it's such a weird concept seeing Danish citizens after the American dream, mm-hmm. because they honestly have it so much better than we do. They really do. Like, but why they, why would you bother? Enjoy what you have. Mm-hmm. But nope, not these guys. Nope. One thing I never really understood was, I mean, and maybe it's just this this simplicity of just wanting power in a being a position of power and and everything but why why the drive to become you know the the cto of evil corp like why was that such the main focus especially i mean for joanna and tyrell but it it seemed like joanna was way more invested in it than even maybe tyrell i don't know if i'm explaining this how I'm, um, how I'm no, it, but they were, they were both invested in it. But I feel like the reason he was invested in it is because he wanted to be good enough for her. The reason she was invested in it is honestly not very clear. And that's one of the things the show didn't really do well with divulging. But then again, are people's motives that complex? There are people who just want to be successful. They want to be, they want to be famous and well known for for being the sharks that they are, um, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be able to toot their own horn and maybe that's all it was. Maybe. Yeah. It, yeah. It was never clear what Joanna was kind of getting out of it, but we see that they, they have no problem flirting or fucking whoever they need to, to accomplish their goals. Um, Tyrell, yep. uh, sweet talks, a receptionist and, happens you know quote happens to be at the at the same club as him and takes him home also he can also Tyrell can plant a thing or do a thing to the guy's phone so he's able to like hack the emails or something to to get that extra information on where evil corp was standing in terms of assigning appointing a new CTO yeah he was a former techie turned c-level executive so there's no, there's no way he got there, you know, through typical means. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're meeting him and he's well on that path already. Yep. So it makes you wonder what else he's done, you know? Yeah. 
other than just pay homeless people to get beat up. What the fuck was that? (laughs) I don't know, but that's got to be because we see later in the season that so Tyrell loses out the CTO position to Scott Knowles. Scott. So they, they try to kind of manipulate a few things and try to get in and none of that's really working. So they're going to go after Scott Knowles' wife or, you know, in the sense of trying to woo her and sleep with her and then try to get, have that leverage over Scott. The first attempt didn't really go over well. And there was that awkward, weird bathroom scene. I don't understand that either. Like, okay, you know, the Danes are cool. Like they have sex museums and stuff. Like they're not, they're not afraid of, of, you know, things getting a bit weird and, you know, they're totally fine with that. But that was just like, seriously? Mm-hmm. What, what? I don't remember that from my visits. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a reason. Maybe you blocked it out. No. But oh, well, I, I, I suppose I would if it ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why would you? Ugh. Yeah. So at the big at the big party, uh, Tyrell and Mrs. Knowles, whose name I cannot remember. I want to say it's like Pam, but that's not right. Um, they kind of have a moment where they're kind of calling each other out on their antics from the last time that they met. And so they decide that, you know, they'll have a little rendezvous, rendezvous on the roof, on the rooftop. And they start kissing and making out and Tyrell starts choking her. And you're like, yeah, you know, we saw in an earlier scene that he's into some rough stuff. That's fine. And next thing you know, he's squeezing more and more and more and she's trying to fight him off until she can't and she's dead. And I totally thought that was like part of his original plan. And clearly it wasn't. I was like, no, when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, come on. You, what? Sloppy. How are you, how are you going to get away with this? You're on the roof. How, <laughs> what are you going to do with the body? <laughs> like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh, come on. And then he starts panicking. I'm like, you are that dumb. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So he's he's all panicky and everything. And then kind of going back to Joanna's cold and calculatingness. <laughs> when the cops finally do come to Tyrell's door to try and talk to him, because he's been blowing him off. Because um, Joanna's pregnant. And this is the first that Joanna seems to be hearing about Mrs. Knowles having been murdered. And she still plays it perfectly. And she, they invite the cops in and she's like, oh, I'll get you guys some tea. The next thing you know, she's bleeding in the, in the kitchen, calling 911. There's something wrong with the baby. But then they show the little pickle fork all bloodied. And it's like, damn. It had to be a pickle fork. I mean, I, I feel like that was a joke <laughs> on some level. It might have been because there were a couple scenes. She's just eating pickles out of the jar and the old adage of, pregnant women in pickles and I never craved That's what pickles. I mean. I thought it was a joke and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that she would risk herself and her baby to keep the police from questioning and arresting Tyrell was so extreme. And then we see when she wakes up in the hospital, she has this very vulnerable moment, which I don't think we really get from her outside of this scene where she talks about being 15 and giving up a baby for adoption because she was 15. 
because her baby, her and Tyrell's baby lives, it's fine, healthy and everything. And so she has this really soft moment where she's kind of confessing this secret. Tyrell's like, well, you never told me that, but why, you know, how come you never told me that? And she's like, I only told people if they needed to know. So she never felt that Tyrell ever needed to know about this as much as they were in love and as close as they were. And so then I kind of laughed because Tyrell goes to like touch her hand, like hold on, hold her hand in a comforting way and back to cold and calculated. And she just shuts off all humanity in her. And she's like, don't kind of pulls away. Like, don't touch me. And that's when she's like, you can't be a part of this family until you fix everything. Yeah. Which becomes his new driver. Mm-hmm. But you know, this whole entire time you feel like he is afraid and remorseful and uh, apologetic even for killing Scott's wife. And it, that was total lie. Yeah. Because then we, he tells Elliot cause they, they eventually come together and Tyrell confesses to Elliot that he killed Mrs. Knowles and that he was fine with it. He liked having that power. So I think that's going back to his bum fights. He's always craved that kind of power and control over a person. Which suggests some mental illness for himself too. Yeah. And we kind of see that as he starts slipping and about seeing the light and who he decides to worship and follow. (laughs) We are gods. I worship you because you are a god. Oh, man. It's like, okay, you would have been in Charles Manson's cult had you been born in another time. You seriously would have because... For sure. What? Yeah. But, you know, like, I don't think Joanna knew that about him either. That he... What he was wrestling with was the fact that he enjoyed killing Scott's wife. Man, what is her name? It's really bugging me now. But I know. And I... <laughs> I hate just referring to her as Scott's wife, but I honestly cannot remember her name. So I'm going to take it. And it's funny because, you know, that whole exchange between him and Scott, it's like Scott is the the ruthless C-level executive that Tyrell wants to be. He thought he was, and he got put in his place, and this is how he handled it. He went off the deep end. So I'm going to try and take a second to Google her name. That's all right. Oh, we did get Dude Bud in the show, too. The the receptionist guy that Tyrell was boning, we see his butt. Dude, butt is always appreciated. I feel like I need to start definitely marking what episode scenes and time we get dude butt. Dude butt segment. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Where in the shit balls is it? Actually, I had a thought. You could have like ratings for the shows. Where it's like, how many how, dude butts? How, how long did I put my phone down for? Oh, yeah. If I were to rate this on a scale of dude butts, how many dude butts? Joanna. Mogi, That's like JJO's stink star thing. They give beers stink star ratings <laughs> on their, their beer segment, and the stink stars are buttholes. yep you needed to know that right yep i can't find it so anyways so yeah so that's the um tyrell and joanna 
aspect portion of the of the episode yeah Tyrell freaks me out like yeah I know I know what you're saying that that Joanna's the scarier one and I agree with you in in the fact that she's so cold and calculating but Tyrell freaks me out more because he's kind of just off his rocker he's he's definitely more emotional and that can be very dangerous and scary right because uh it can lead to pretty dumb mistakes that Mm -hmm. you know are uh impossible to rectify (laughs) but we will continue on with uh tyrell and joanna's dumb mistakes in a in the next episode as we continue through the there are plenty there are plenty but let's kind of go back to uh angela a little bit real quick elliot's childhood friend uh friends through trauma they both lost their parents who were sick basically at the hands of of e-corp because of contamination that's how angela's mom was angela's mom an employee of e-corp she was yes she was okay but yeah so there was like the contamination in the township where elliot and angela grew up elliot loses his dad angela loses her mom and their friendship is forged out of the fires of traumatic parental loss at least that's how it seemed yeah in in season one which could kind of like well, I was going to say, which could kind of explain the distance between maybe her and Elliot, if that's really kind of all they ever had in common. But there there's, there are times you get a sense there's a bit more to it than that. But definitely in season one, it kind of seemed like that was maybe it because they yeah, weren't so Yeah, and I think, I think the show did that on purpose. So, yeah. you know, like not, not, uh, not really worried about that dynamic because you know season one painted that picture of Elliot being you know at least on nine to five time a relatively normal person with some problems Mm -hmm. which isn't all that abnormal in real life and I think that the fact that the show doesn't shy away from that is pretty cool Mm -hmm. but you know it we get to dive deeper into just how far those problems can take a person under the right circumstances as the show goes on. And I think we get to dive deeper into their relationships too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah. So Angela, I, oh, love I love the show for that. I really do. <laughs> this show was, I feel like was so very well thought out, planned out and produced and executed so well. And I was reading that even when it came to like the men, some of the mental illnesses that, Elliot suffers from just even with the depression and anxiety, social anxiety and everything. Dissociative Um, identity disorder. Well, I think even prior to that, a lot of what was written in the script about, you know, Elliot's anxieties and stuff. I think I read that they had like a psychiatrist or something on set, some sort of professional to kind of run it by them to see like how realistic is this portrayal which I thought was amazing. And you got to appreciate any show that's going to go to that length to maintain that level of quality and detail. That doesn't surprise me at all when you consider the fact that, you know, they kind of did the same thing for the cybersecurity component. Mm -hmm. 
they weren't messing around. Um, is this a perfect show? No. Like we still find things to be somewhat perplexed about or or upset about, mm-hmm. but it's got to be one of the best done shows I've watched in a long time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So Angela and Elliot both work at All Safe, as does Angela's piece of shit boyfriend, Aleem. Oh, I hate that guy. Yep, I, I can't stand him. As far as Ali goes, he's the perfect demonstration that even with even someone with tech knowledge, can can uh, get played. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as cybersecurity and not being stupid goes, which was you know kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone was going to get played, of course it was him. Yeah, he was a perfect little patsy for that because they encounter encounter someone on the street touting about his demo disc you know demo album take it take it and pings ollie and gives it to ollie and eventually and we find out that you know ollie tries to play the disc at home and it ends up hacking all their information and that puts them in that vulnerable position of now they need to do what the supposed nobody one off you kind of assume at first at, at his whim and we find out later that that guy Cisco works for the Dark Army, and which gets named Darlene's. Mm-hmm. On again, off again, squeeze Darlene's bow. So they hack hack Ollie in Angelum, and now they want them to take the same disc to All Safe and infect All Safe, plant this, whatever. <laughs> Ollie doesn't want to do it. He's like, no, 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 no. But while they have realized they've been hacked and exposed, Angela finds out that just how much of a piece of shit Ollie is that he's been cheating on her and all this stuff that Elliot already knew because Elliot will hack anyone and everyone. So Angela finds this all out and I love it. She took it upon herself to take the disc and take Ollie's um, badgy badge pass thingy and do it all on his computer at all safe. So she follows through with everything. And I love it when she decides that, you know, she she tells Ollie about it later and is leaving him. And Ollie's like, he says something like, you used my computer and my badge. Didn't you even think about me? And she pauses for a second and she's like, yes, I did. And then just like walks away. <laughs> Like, good on yeah. you, Angela. That was the first inkling that, okay, Angela's Angela's more than you might think she is. Because mm-hmm. she she had that really weak moment earlier in the, the season with the E-Corp executives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, granted, the CTO at the time that Scott ended up replacing. Terry Colby. Yeah, Terry. You know, he is a real piece of shit and definitely one of those misogynistic, I'm going to talk over everyone else types, especially if you're a woman. And, you know, she couldn't handle that. But then, you know, give her the right circumstances and suddenly you're like, oh, oh, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe there's more to her than I thought. So, you know, when we got to see more of that as the show went on, I was like, okay, I might actually like her. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, yeah. Then I, it went back to where it started. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, 
I didn't initially like, and it, it took a while to warm up to Angela on the first watch, first time I watched the season. But it was it was when she decided that she was gonna go after kind of because information about the township contamination came out that Terry Colby knew about it and everything. So she took it upon herself to call all the attorneys from the case from back in the day to present them with like, you know, let them know about this new information or whatever. And she was relentless. She called everyone. The one person that answered, she went to go see and she provided her side of the argument of, you know, well, you're the only one that called me back. So you, you clearly care. And that was kind of her first step, at least for me, of being like, oh, you're more than a pretty face in this show. You're going to have, you know what I mean? Like, you, I wasn't really yeah. sure with the Angela character. So when she started taking those steps, I was like, all right, all right. She's got some gusto. She's got some spunk. She's, she's going to get some shit done. And she confronts Terry Colby, who had been taken down through an earlier hack. She confronts him about it and basically is like, look, I'll kind of cut you this deal. I'll, I'll lie and say I fucked this thing up, but you have to come out and admit your, uh, your role in, the, in knowing about the, the contamination. I love the way that she kind of brought it to his face and even for a split second kind of humbled him, you know, where he was like, well, why are you doing this? What are you getting out of it? And she's just like, I just wanted to know what it was like when you decided that my mom could die. And all these other people could die. And you saw for a moment a little glimpse of humanity in, in Colby. But it doesn't mm -hmm. last. But she didn't no. get him with that. So he did agree to the, to the deal and everything. And then the next time we see him, he's actually shows up at Angela's house. Still smug as a motherfucker. But now with a, a job proposal at right. E-Corp. Which she eventually takes. I was kind of conflicted on that when she took the E-Corp job. I was too, but there is something to be said for the ease of an insider job. If yeah. she wanted more information, if she wanted more influence, there that's that's one way to do it. And it's not it's not the popular way to do it. I think the thing that made it difficult for me to accept like the purity of her motivation there was just how caught up in her new little world she got. Oh, so quickly. Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, oh, well, in that case, um, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Show, it's just, that's the thing. Um, the show does a really good job in terms of dealing with just the fact that the complexity and hypocrisy of any given person's personality is, is, is there. Mm -hmm. And it will manifest in weird ways, and we won't understand it. Like, to us as viewers, it makes no sense at all. Why would you do this? But then if you think about it from that psychological standpoint, she was in a position of power. She was succeeding. She felt something that she clearly lacked in the beginning of the show, and it can be intoxicating. And yeah. I, I appreciated that the show did that. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah, because we see that. So she, she takes the position, she takes the job at E Corp. Uh, uh, looks like a PR type position. So a, a traumatic event happens in her new role. A guy commits suicide on air. Oh God, that was something. That was fucked up. And the way they shot that, no pun intended, the way they filmed that scene. <laughs> the way they shot that. No, no, you own your puns. 
always intend your puns. <laughs> the way they shot their shot. Um, <laughs> was He definitely shot his shot. Oh my God, that was fucking crazy. I and was like, holy of, shit. Yeah, you kind of figured something was going to happen with this guy because he was very much about, where's my bag? Where's my bag? You don't understand. I need it. I need my papers. But the way she responds to that. So this is the first. So after kind of a bit in the aftermath, she's sitting in some lobby and Philip approaches her. So this Mm -hmm. is the first time we really see Philip and Angela interact. And he's like, oh, you know, you can take the rest of the day off. You've experienced something traumatic. But if you're fine with it, I got this thing if you want to come along. But here you need new shoes. And then her demeanor at the shoe store was it's a very interesting way to react to something so traumatic because now you know this the salesperson is like how can you work for them blah 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 and she's like basically like shut up and show me the manolos yeah and then she shows up at the thing i was just like what the fuck when when she when she did that Mm -hmm. um because you know I just, like, okay, she gone through a traumatic event, and maybe this was the response to that. Fine. But then it didn't stop. Mm-mm. You no, know? She, and she she never had that. She never had, okay, so, like, from a physics standpoint, there was no equal and opposite reaction. So I'm like, <laughs> this is her new fucking normal. Yeah. Yeah, she, she kind of took to that corporate, because Terry Colby tells her at one point, you know, when he first offers her the job, she's like, well, you know, I'm suing you guys. How can I work for the business that I'm suing? And he's like, no, you'll learn, you learn quick that there's no grudges in the business world, which I feel like is a really accurate statement, at least for what we see depicted on, in TV and movies and and of the business corporate. That being said, there definitely is grudges there. Like, you see with with Philip's interactions with people, they're mm-hmm. all holding grudges. Oh, it's yeah. just they don't publicize it's, them. Right. It's, there's always ulterior motives, I feel like. So you might not be outwardly grudgy towards someone, but you're still seething deep down, and you still might be finding a way to plot against them eventually. But, but you know, it just the more I think about it, even just in the context of season one, like, Within season one itself and season one's role in the entire show and how it plays out, the show writers do a fantastic job of writing the initial, um, portraying the initial interactions between people uh, in a convincing way that makes you think, okay, this is their relationship. This is why I totally understand what's going on. And then you're like, nope, that's, that's actually just the mask. Well, here's what's really going on underneath. And mm-hmm. it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Like every time we start talking about, you know, early conversations, you're like, oh yeah. Like the first interactions between Philip and Angela were like, he's a creepy old man boss who just wants to get in her pants. And mm-hmm. it was uh, really, no, but it was interesting too, because even the first time you watch season one, you get that there's something, some sort of motive, something behind, something going on with, with the Philip and Angela, whether it is sexual or whether it was creepy old man just perving on a beautiful young woman. There was something there, whether it was unsettling or whatever you might have, however you might have interpreted it. I, I took it as creepy old man. Yeah. But there was always, there was always something there. And I think 
the actors do a really good job of kind of portraying that there's this underlining tension, even though no one really knows what it is yet. But there's a tension yeah. and there's a connection between the two characters. Like, you don't understand why Angela's so worried about Elliot all the time, because Elliot seems so capable in season one. You know, like, okay, fine. He's on drugs. Does she really know that? I don't know. But he's also managing those drugs. Like, he's limiting his doses of morphine. He's counteracting them with withdrawal medication. He seems to be functioning just fine. He's doing well at his job. He's taking down bad guys. He's doing all right, you know? But then you're like, you start seeing him unravel you get a little bit deeper into his psyche and you're like oh my god there's way more wrong with you than I thought mm -hmm. and, and you start to see why she's so worried about him mm -hmm. but yeah Angela seems so lost in the beginning like she doesn't know who she is or what she should be doing or or you know like I get the sense that she feels like she's not good enough capable enough smart enough whatever to be whatever she wanted to be then you find out that that's not true either. So it, it's just one of those things where it's like, huh, <laughs> so many layers. It's like, yeah, like an onion. Ogres um, are like onions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Angela. Yeah, we, she has, she does have concern about Elliot, but at the same time, she's also kind of, she becomes a little angry and dismissive towards Elliot uh, in the later half of this season. And there's been a month jump between when Shayla is murdered and then like that next episode or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause people keep saying like, Oh, Elliot's had a rough month. And at one point, Angela even says to him, you're acting weird or you're acting different. And this was before Shayla. So that's kind of your, feel like maybe one of our first hints that there's more to Elliot, another layer, another onion layer to Elliot than what we've- There's so much more to so him. So many, there? so many. But then we also see that out of concern, she's um, out of concern for Elliot. She has um, a ballet class date with a character we have yet to discuss, Darlene. Yeah, which was, that was such a small thing, but it was such a, a mind fuck for me. Like, mm -hmm. they know each other? They're friends? What? They're like really, really happy to see each other? Like, <laughs> like they're really good friends. <laughs> Wait, then who is Darlene? Mm -hmm. So then, so yeah, so we meet Darlene earlier in the season as someone part of the F Society crew. We, we brought her up briefly because she's Cisco's on again, off again, sweetheart. And he's, Cisco's the one that's got connections to the Dark Army, who only really gets name dropped this season. I love that he's named after a, like, networking equipment company. Like, it was, I thought that was kind of like a pun or something because, you know, like, he's their connection into the Dark Army. It's like, oh, you're... <laughs> You're a router. That's all you are. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, the techie humor that I didn't get. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. I, I don't know if that's, it. I don't know if that's something they actually meant to do or not. Because, like, okay, I do this thing where I read too much into the names of things. Like, this is one of these tangent moments. We should have a tangent moment warning. This is a but, Vera thing. This is a Fernando Vera. Everyone's name means something. <gasps> yeah. 
mind blown. Right. But you know, I had the same kind of I had the same kind of like read into Finding Nemo of all things. Okay, because okay, it's called Finding Nemo. Yes, I know it's about Finding Nemo. But Dory had no no short term memory, and her long term memory seemed a bit fuzzy too. And it's like, okay, what if this is about mnemonic devices and helping her remember? Because you know the whole P Sherman Forty Two Wallaby Way Sydney mm-hmm. thing. Uh, because Nemocyne is the Greek titan goddess of memory. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. And then they're like, no, we didn't, we didn't do that. And it's like, oh. Well, remember on our first recording of Stranger Things and you dropped that little theory on me and I was like, oh my God. I know, it's so plausible, right? Like, it this is. is me, this is me reading into names. And Cisco, I'm like, hi, he's a router. <laughs> See, with Timmy's uh, kitchen experience, I think of like Cisco, S-Y-S-C-O, the, the food company dist- distributor. <laughs> or the, the shortening, right? The shortening you can buy at the store, like a butter sauce yeah. baking. No, that's yeah. Crisco. Oh, see, okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that one, then. But yeah, I'm familiar with the Cisco food trucks, too. From my, my, time, my time at working, working at an A&W back in my high school days. But no, I'm like, he's a router. He's a router. <laughs> I'm sure that was intentional then. I feel like, yeah, they're smart enough to have worked that in. And I'm well, sure a lot of other people got that joke too, but I missed it. That's all right. Assuming it's actually a joke and not just not just me going off <laughs> on like, oh my up. God. <laughs> you got to edit that as like a trivia, piece of trivia on IMDb or something. Oh, it'd be perfect on like Wikipedia or or in one of those board games where you're trying to fool everybody into thinking your explanation is the correct one. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It would work like 99 times out of 100, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah, so Darlene, we meet. So Darlene, she's she's cool. She's edgy. She's loud in your face. Definitely on drugs. Doesn't give a fuck. And then... She plays a, you know, but she's a big role in the F Society hack and everything. And I really liked this character in this season. Not to say that I don't like her in other seasons, but they really gave her a strong start, I felt, in the, in this season. And then yeah. we kind of see more of, and then as, again, with the discussion of layers, that that outer tough exterior comes off in later seasons and we see more of the vulnerability and your cat in the background freaked me out because I was like what the fuck is moving behind you that's just my face hugger (laughs) show the cat hi kitty little three-legged kitten oh hi kitty anyways all right so let's see we're we're still kind of on darlene what else have we got for Darlene for this season? When she first shows up and gets involved with Elliot, she's like extremely dismissive and abrasive towards him. Like she doesn't want him to be there. Uh, but then she keeps, for as far as we can tell, just breaking into his place. And it's like, but wait, why? Who are you? Who do? You, how do you get off just doing that? And you know that's Elliot's reaction to her too. He's like, who the fuck are you? Get out of my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just kind of chalked it up, you know, the first time watching it, just thought like, that's just her character type. She doesn't give any fucks. She, you know, they're all hackers. They all know how to like pick locks apparently. 
Yeah, and if you can pick cyber locks, then you need to be able to pick the regular ones too. Yeah. We all, we all take levels in locksmith. So do you have a <laughs> lockpicks kit yet? Or is that? No, I don't, but I've, I've, I've picked a lock before. Oh, I so you don't need a special kit. No, you just need bobby pins. And, like, <laughs> you just might like need in the pin. movies. You just pull the bobby pin out of your hair. I've you never need, had bobby pins in my hair. You need more hair. I was going to say, you, I think you might need more, a little bit more hair to warrant a bunch yeah, of bobby pins in it. Cut some of it off again because it was getting in my eyes and I hated it. Yeah, I, uh, I still have quarantine hair, so I've been wearing my hair up a lot. Yeah, I, I still have quarantine hair, too. Yeah, kids it's had just, picture day the other week with their quarantine hair, so that'll be fun. Can't wait to see those. Oh, you can totally reminisce on that, though, when they're older. Just be like, oh, this was when we were quarantined. How <laughs> about your hair? You guys remember the shit show that was 2020? Here, here's your school picture. Hi, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doodling while we're talking. And he's like, what you doing? What um but yeah so they're Elliot and Darlene <laughs> so they, they've got this weird dynamic initially and then and then we find out the big reveal they're sitting down at the beach they're having a happy celebratory kind of moment and then Elliot leans in and kisses her and she pulls back and she's like Elliot what the fuck and, and he's like what what I don't understand mm-hmm and which is just sad it is it's fucking crazy and then she's like did you forget again and my first like, again, again? <laughs> how what many times mean? has this happened so he quickly figures it all out that they are siblings which and, was like uh because yeah. you know my my husband predicted that one. Yeah. And I was so I was mad at him for it. <laughs> I hate it like, when they do that. I didn't want that to be the case because that's just fucked up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you find out that Elliot and Darlene are siblings. And Elliot kind of starts freaking out because how does he not remember his sister? And all of a sudden, all the memories start coming back to him. So then he kind of starts questioning who who am I? Who is Elliot Alderson? And so he goes to try and essentially hack himself and he's not finding anything. And which is what you expect. Right. So it's a hacker. Protect yourself, man. Yeah. And he's said before that he's not on social media. He doesn't do Facebook and all that stuff. So we're just like, well, okay, that that makes sense. And then he goes to his CD collection which I love his little CD. Well, I guess it's not a little CD collection. Holy shit. But all the discs that he has represent someone he has hacked. And he's got one of those big cases, like chuck full of discs. And one, one, I'm kind of curious how he decides to assign artist and album to a person. Right. But also the whole pathology of keeping a trophy. I mean, it's very... It's very career criminal, silly or serial killer-ish like, and I don't know if that's like our earliest clue into just how uh, messed up he really is, but. Possibly. I guess I didn't, yeah, I, I could, I guess I didn't really think about it a lot that that was essentially his trophy case. <laughs> it totally is though. <laughs> 
because it's a case of CDs. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> they like they like puns in this show. The more we I talk like about it. it, the more it's like, oh, oh, the punnier it gets. Yeah. So yes, in his attempt to try and find out more about himself, he finds the one unlabeled disc. And so he puts that in and we start seeing all these pictures of Mr. Robot, good old Christian Slater. And then, ba-bing, big reveal, Mr. Robot, Christian Slater is Elliot's dad. And he didn't actually die. Or did he? We don't know. We don't know. Yet. So then we kind of get a little bit of a flashback of Elliot's dad and young Elliot at the computer repair shop aptly titled Mr. Robot. There's that douchebag customer that accuses young Elliot of, or, you know, goes in and tells Mr. Robot that, you know, your kid stole 20 bucks from me, blah, blah, blah. And he's just a piece of shit douchebag. Well, I mean, he was right. He was, but I... There are better ways to go about it to get what you want. Exactly. And I felt that Mr. Robot's response was and how he handled that whole situation not just the irate customer but then also how he handled it with Elliot you know he knew Elliot took the money and he just pocketed it and he's like all right we're gonna go to the movie you're just like yeah cool dad and Elliot's like well why basically why do I get to keep the money and he's like well that guy was a douchebag You're like, yeah, yeah, he was. You're right. He was. And you know what? I think if I were Mr. Robot in that moment, if the person was just going to continue to be abrasive and aggressive like that and not give me a chance to like say anything, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to help you out. You know what I mean? If the guy was like, hey, I think your kid might've taken 20 bucks from me. You know, can you check? You know, if he was just a little more polite about it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like you said something like, I really hope I'm wrong, but look, I'm I'm pretty sure this happened. Right. Yep. Can you just but yeah, I don't know, check? Yeah. That guy was was no good. No bueno. But that's kind of our introduction into we get that little flashback and we see Mr. Robot Christian Slater being cool dad. They go to the movies. So when we first meet Mr. Robot, he's on the subway in the early, in like episode one, talking to Elliot. And as far as we know, Mr. Robot is the one that has orchestrated in recruiting F Society and coming up with this plan to hack Evil Core and wipe out world debt. But then as we kind of see more, because we get the one scene where it's Mr. Robot and Tyrell in in a car talking to each other. So you're just like, what the fuck now? Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Mr. Robot's like, you know, quote, in bed with Tyrell. Like, what what the hell's going on? All these conspiracies and blah, 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 blah. But then we come to find out in episode nine, with that after that flashback and everything, um, Mr. Robot and Elliot take a little trip down memory lane. They go back to Elliot's childhood home. Yeah, and revisit the scene of where he fell out the window and then you're you're starting to think is this why he's so screwed up does he have like permanent brain damage and i'm like yeah he's one of my people (laughs) (laughs) 
which is not the appropriate reaction to have to that. And I really need to work on that because I have I have that problem in like every aspect of my life. Like, oh, you have CP too? That's awesome. If you I had mean, more appropriate no. reactions to things, we would not be friends. That's 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 probably true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're back at the house, back in Elliot's old room, back at the window, and. Elliot and Mr. Robot are arguing. Elliot has Mr. Robot hanging out the window, and then he lets go. I want to see that scene reimagined mm-hmm. as it really as it really went down. Like he's hanging hanging right? himself out the window, right? Because we find out in this episode shortly after that, because um, Mr. Robot takes Elliot to the cemetery, and at this point, Angela and Darlene have figured out where where Elliot is like they even went back to the house they didn't go upstairs but they did see the broken glass outside of Elliot's old window so then they figure out that yes he's going to be at the at the gravesite. at one point I think it was Darlene that said it to Angela the last time he was like this you found him or something like that it's like seriously how many times does this happen what what is going on you guys know too much and you're not telling us. And now Elliot's yelling at us, the viewer, his imaginary friend. And I'm like, I don't know any more than you do, man. Stop yelling at me. Stop yelling at me. I don't know. I'm confused too. <laughs> We're in your head. It's kind of the, it's kind of, you know, this is just what it is. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're at the graves. So they're they're at the cemetery. They're at the gravestone. You can hear and see Darlene and Angela making their way to Elliot. And the whole time, Mr. Robot's like, "They're gonna try and get rid of me. They're gonna try and get rid of me. Don't let them do it." And the whole time, I'm sitting there like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Like, like I'm honestly thinking, even at this point, that Mr. Robot had faked his death. Or Elliot's dad had faked his death, was living underground somewhere to try and fight evil corp. But then you're like, why would Darlene want to get rid of her dad? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so that's when we find out that Mr. Robot is an alternate personality of Elliot. And Elliot has, on top of everything else, dissociative identity disorder. Which we all know and love from movies such as Fight Club. Yes. (laughs) And shows like United States of Terra. And... What other? There's not a whole lot of other no, shows and media. I mean, there. there there might be, but those are the those are the big ones that everybody knows. Yeah, because they're so well done about it. Yeah. So now you find out that this whole time it's been Elliot. Elliot has been the one that put everything together, which kind of At explains. You should have figured that out by now. Yeah. <laughs> If you didn't, you know, there was one more episode of the season that kind of helps. Really ties that all together. But, you know, if you if you need it. Yep. Because episode 10, we get that beautiful scene in the coffee shop where Elliot's still kind of resisting this whole concept of having this whole idea of having DID. And we see (laughs) Elliot choking. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot's like, you realize how this looks. And then we see what's actually happening. <laughs> and it's Elliot choking himself up against the wall. 
and then to further drive the point home mr robot goes and talks some shit to some random guy so he punches elliot out and that's when it all kind of comes together for elliot that holy shit this this is an alternate personality because that guy hit mr robot but i'm the one on the ground yeah and it's the realization for him it's he's like he's genuinely afraid mm-hmm. and confused and it's you know i think it did a really good job of of portraying that correctly because not everyone with dissociative identity disorder knows that they have it or can really tell reality from what their perception of it is mm-hmm. so now that you know we get to the end of the season and now that we know like the big twist the big reveal that finkel is einhorn no elliot is ha! robot and robot is elliot when you go and rewatch it everything looks and feels different so in the very first episode when tyrell first meets elliot and they and and tyrell approaches elliot in his cube first time you're just kind of like and even the second time you're just like what what was the draw why why did tyrell approach elliot in the first place why was he drawn to elliot was it just the the position that elliot had it was similar to what tyrell originally started out as or had mr robot already gone to tyrell for anything because tyrell and mr robot had that whole conversation in the vehicle and right so i wondering what we didn't see you know even prior to the beginning of the season and i was wondering about that interaction the first time that i saw it not because i knew what was going to happen but the first time i saw that interaction it's like really of all the people he could talk to why was it really just because of the flavor of of linux that this guy is using like is is it seriously all it is like why yeah and you know it wasn't just like a passing remark he stopped to talk to him and then of course as the show unfolded the first time i watched it i'm like how long have they known each other and elia just is it possible he just didn't remember at that point mm-hmm. yeah because um, the way tyrell throughout the whole rest of the season even after that i mean even in that first encounter and for the rest of the season when he's talks talking with elliot um, about destined to do great things and destined to work together and this and that. So it all has like a different feel to it, knowing Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> I'll stop saying that because that's confusing. We're not talking about Ace Ventura. <laughs> well, no, we are now. Yeah. Surprise. This <laughs> yeah, is actually so. the Ace Ventura Pet Detective <laughs> podcast episode. And we just welcome. missed a roboted you. <laughs> Major twist. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah that mean it's yeah i mean we're we're pretty disorganized but we're not that disorganized we're just after mr robot's own heart we're we're as mentally disheveled as he is <laughs> just without all of the disorders maybe not to not to that same level for sure yeah yeah not yet anyway yeah, I feel like that's just part of the cybersecurity career, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I want to take this show literally, which, you know, clearly I do. So that was a fun and interesting twist. And I feel like knowing that and going back to rewatch it, you can always kind of pick up on little things. Because even the first time I watched this show, the episode where Elliot 
is detoxing when they're on their way to Steel Mountain to fuck with the um, thermostat stuff. Oh, yeah. That was a weird scheme they had. And it was, even the first time I watched it, and it, the, it, didn't, it didn't last long, but I had like a quick feeling, quick moment of like, is Mr. Robot real? And I can't remember, I can't pinpoint exactly where it was in the, in the scene, but I think it, it had something to do with the way Ruben was talking to Elliot and where Mr. Robot was sitting in like the hotel room and conversing yeah. with Ruben. There was just something about that whole interaction that felt odd, but it didn't, like I said, like the, the scene moved quickly and we moved on to the next scene or moment, whatever. And for me, it, it didn't linger because then I was like, oh, now what's going to happen? Ooh, now what? Yeah, but, you know, the show was really good at that too. Like mm-hmm. it, it kept you on your toes. So you couldn't stop and think about things. Yeah. Like I think that, you know, it really lends itself well to the binge watcher, even though that's not how it was originally released. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, that particular aspect of it worked really well for someone who's going to sit down and watch a whole show because you don't have time to sit down and absorb everything and overthink it when you're binge watching. And maybe that lends itself to the experience. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, there's, there's so much that goes on in this season as it lays a lot of foundation for the rest of the series. Yeah. And I feel like there's like nothing is unintentional. Everything serves its purpose. Every, every moment, every character, uh, plot point, all serves a greater purpose. <laughs> it's a very butterfly effect type show. Yeah. In that regard. And, and I feel like there's just so much more we could talk about. I mean, we didn't hardly, I don't think we talked about Gideon much. And I really liked get really liked Gideon. I liked Gideon and that's why I, I, like, like he, he cares I liked, so much for his employees. Right. I liked him, liked him. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he's such a fascinating character. He wasn't actually that he fascinating. Wasn't, no. But he, he was the most initially relatable. Yeah. And he was genuinely nice and well-meaning and just somebody trying to make something for himself in the world, you know, from, from a minority group and, mm-hmm. you know, clearly came up the hard way and and all that kind of stuff and you know he's just someone you feel for you know and he's trying to be like a guide to Elliot and Angela and the rest of his team too Mm -hmm. and you know you just really feel for the guy and then then how his role in the show ends and you know not just in terms of of his life ending but in terms of the reputation that went along with it and you know he lost everything before he lost his life. Like mm-hmm. I just—that's season just, two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about spoilers for others too, but I just—I really have trouble talking about Gideon. It's like the well, one person who didn't deserve to die in that show. Yeah. You know? He even Elliot says that when he hacked Gideon, all he saw was a good person. Which is rare. Yeah. There was no bad, no malice, nothing. It was a genuinely, genuine good person. And just this whole season, it's like, 
you're kind of, you're giving Gideon, you're like, oh yeah, he seems like such a nice, sweet person, just a good hearted person who cares about his employees, who cares about the work that he does, because he can't stop picking at the um, one server and he can't stop digging, basically. Because he, he knows, he, he genuinely knows cares. something is wrong and yep. it's all because he cares. It's not because he, you know, he's up to something himself. He genuinely cares. Yep. So it's just, just, yeah, the way he loses his, his business and everything. And then I thought it was interesting because it's like at this point by the last episode, the hack has happened and we don't really know a whole lot of the details other than it involved Elliot and Tyrell at this point, And we don't know where Tyrell is right now. Cause it seems like Elliot killed him. Mm-hmm. And it's been like three days and Elliot's been blacked out. You know, he doesn't recall the last three days, which is another big, um, uh, scary, like, oh, what did he do type moment. Type and, moment. And also goes know hand Gideon's in hand life. with DID, the, the loss of time. Right. And you know, Gideon's life is falling apart right now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, his entire company was riding on the whole E-Corp contract. He made that quite clear. Yep. Yep. So. But yeah, I mean, not a lot to say about Gideon other than he's a good person. And I just, I felt for him. Just. Yeah, the one good, 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 good thing in this, in this show. Oh, let's see. I think that pretty much covers it for all the main players of season one. Yeah, I mean, we could really talk about the the rest of the, the F corps, you know, F society people. I mean, but <laughs> um, F corp. Sorry, I just caught that. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, um, I think the rest of the F society players will come into play a bit more because we've got Ruben, Trenton, Mobley? Mobley, yeah. I remember him because he's a DJ and it's so close to Moby. It's like, really, dude? <laughs> Love that you always struggled with remembering Ruben's name and his name is literally food. <laughs> like He's a sandwich. A sandwich. I if I had, you know, if I had made that, if I had made that connection, I totally would remember his name, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but there's it- Mobley, Ruben, Darlene, Elliot. Trenton. Yeah. Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> this so is they, me making mnemonic devices for there myself. So. There's, <laughs> so you find in your Nemo's. <laughs> I'm finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like they'll, we'll, we'll get into a bit more of them. Um, I did want to say quick with Ruben, because he has an interaction with Mr. Robot, where at one point, F society kind of breaks up and Mr. Robot's going around trying to bring the band back together. And he goes to uh, Ruben's house or his mom's house. And you see that Mr. Robot's unhinged, but he's having this interaction with, with Ruben. And so when we find out the big twist that Elliot is robot, Mr. Robot, it, it just, it makes rewatching it so interesting because then it's like, okay, so he's actually talking to Elliot. Elliot's the one going around and, and really doing all these things. And I don't, it's just, I love that. I love how you can watch a season for the first time with one mindset. You get the twist, the reveal, and it just completely, like almost completely changes the way you're looking at that character and their interactions. Yeah. Now, so now, he- yeah. 
it's important to note that a show like this, even after you've seen everything in it, is so worth a rewatch. It is. It it so is because I was trying to pick out maybe little Easter eggs, you know, where the show kind of was trying to hint that hint what the twist was, and I don't know. I didn't get a lot. I don't think it was. I think it was legit trying to like catch you off guard. I don't Mm -hmm. think it was trying to tell us anything. Like we were lulled into a false sense of security, relatively speaking, so Mm -hmm. many times with this show. And, you know, that's just, again, it's not something you get with TV anymore. Like all these shows, they try to have these kinds of twists and turns and everything, and they just don't pull it off. They miss the mark. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not this show. This show, this show didn't. This show's so fucking good. Uh, let's see. A couple of side notes. Oh, we. Um, oh, I would like to point out that in the uh, opening scene of the first episode, during one of Elliot's um, little monologues, as he's talking about how he wants to bust the coffee shop pedo, how he normally does that kind of stuff still over the computer. He wanted to confront this guy, AFK. I just would like it noted that my children told me what AFK means. Did away, they? Away from keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, they learned something from YouTube and then shared it with me. Um, Mom of the year. Uh, let's see. What was another? So there was that one. There's some of my other random. So we meet um, Dark Army Cheeseburger Guy for the first time because he pops up a couple of times in later seasons. I love that guy. I have no reason to love that guy other than the fact that he exists. Ditto. Ditto all the way. He's he's there and he's always eating. (laughs) He's in a hazmat suit. A full hazmat suit and eating a cheeseburger. It's like, dude. Kind of defeats the point of the suit. Just, just saying. But we also in this in this season we hear the name dropped White Rose several times, and then in episode eight we meet her and oh. her obsession with time and telling because Elliot, you know, he wants this meeting with with White Rose and the Dark Army because at one point they pull out of their hack, and I feel like we didn't really talk much about like the overall hack. We just which is a big part of season one in the series, but I wanted to kind of get the the people out of the way with first. I feel like we can. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, White stuff. Rose. White Rose is is my favorite. She is just something else. She's amazing. Yeah, her little speech on time. We're all a slave to time, and then she gives Elliot a timeline to try and fix everything. Fifty hours. So then he's obsessively looking at his watch, and he's just like, "Ah, she's infected me with her time paranoia." (laughs) She's probably laughing about that. Uh huh. And really, I mean, after that kind of encounter, and given a timeline, who wouldn't be obsessed with time at that point? Right. And yeah, that's, I don't know. We don't really understand what her overall goal is. I mean, at first it just seems like she wants the power and she has the power. Mm -hmm. She wants more power. And it's like, okay, but the time obsession, who she is, how she got to be 
this powerful um you know it's all a mystery and she's so fascinating and she's like we'll never meet again it's like oh really Mm -hmm. oh and then so in the last episode when Elliot's kind of coming to terms with Mr. Robot being an alternate personality you know he's down in like Times Square or whatever and he's like he needs Elliot's like I need silence and he's in his mind at least clears out Times Square there's nobody there and it's like just him and Mr. Robot but then that's his, a powerful mind palace by the way yeah no shit but then the vision of his mom and young Elliot are there with Mr. Mm. Robot so that kind of made me wonder so we know Mr. Robot at this point is an alternate personality but is Elliot's mom and young Elliot also alternate personalities or are they just kind of like delusions in his head so to speak like we the viewers are his invisible friend in his mind right are they do they play like a similar role to us i was and that, or that's never are really they, made clear in the series or are they a remnant of ptsd could be because at first when we see when he kind of has little moments where he sees his mom and and young him you know sitting at like the bus stop or whatever or his vision in episode one where he's reimagines being young and at the dinner table with his mom and how mean and and abusive she was it's like you just kind of assume these were just moments replaying but could they be more well they could they could absolutely be more we don't know which of his memories are real memories and which Mm -hmm. ones he believes to be real because of his condition Mm mm-hmm yeah. And it really makes you think how much of all of this that we're seeing is through Elliot's eyes versus what's actually going on. Because as soon as he mentions in the first episode, E-Corp, every time he hears E-Corp, he just hears Evil Corp. That's all we hear through the rest of the series. Yeah. Even when other people are talking to him, mm-hmm. he always hears it as E-Corp. Mm-hmm. So that's not, that's something that I didn't really pick up the first time I watched it, but definitely on the rewatch, I was like, are we, did they effectively put us in his head? <laughs> like his, you know, to be his invisible friend in his head. And then how much yeah, of did. what we see in is, is what he interprets versus what's actually happening. So a great show. And yeah, you could rewatch it a thousand times. I feel like, and still pick up on new little things. And I can't wait for Rewatch season two. Yeah. One last thing is just the way the season ends. Mr. Robot convinces Elliot to just go home, watch TV, sit down, relax. The world is falling apart because the hack happened. And then there's a knock on Elliot's door. Who could it be? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. And we find out next season. <laughs> it's Mr. Rogers. hi neighbor (laughs) this red sweater if if only that would have been something yeah so you could totally see elliot hallucinating that totally won't you be my neighbor oh sure pal (laughs) so yeah good pick thanks yeah i don't often recommend a tv show but when i do yes this is now, I think, at least your second recommendation, because you recommended yes. special. That was, that was a totally self-serving recommendation. 
And I think there's supposed to be a season two. I just, who knows when at this point. I don't either, but I'm keeping an eye on it because mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I should rewatch that one too. That's, that's a quick rewatch. Yeah. And it's, it gives you a good laugh. It uh, does. Along the way. <laughs> All right. Any last, any final thoughts on Mr. Robot season one? Mr. Robot season one uh, made me jump right into season two, which always makes it difficult to, in terms of keeping things separate. And it's great because you're following along with Elliot's character who's having trouble keeping things together as well. So mm-hmm. it's, they do a really good job of putting him in your, putting you in his head. It's yeah. just, I, and I love the experience. It's just great. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I can't wait for season two because I really liked season two. Yeah. So we'll have to schedule our next recording soon so I can just keep going. <laughs> right <laughs> well uh you know i'm i'm off until thursday so we'll see what we i don't i can't rewatch in that amount of time because i got tiny people that are very fucking nosy <laughs> i know i know i know same thing like we haven't watched the boys in a bit because um because kids ruin everything <laughs> they want to stay up and watch tv with us it's like oh oh the boys is so <laughs> good it is. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad that I started watching that. I read the f- um, volume one um, omnibus. <laughs> it's the, the big book of the boys. So it's like multiple comics all in, in one. And so I just read that, finished volume one last weekend. I had a super productive Sunday. I read a huh. comic book until I got sleepy and then I took a nap and then I woke up and I ate pizza and I finished my comic book. <laughs> that sounds like a good Sunday to me. You know what? It was cold and rainy and shitty and what the hell else were we going to do? So it was, no, it was a really very nice different today. Yeah. <laughs> well, Laura, it has been amazing to talk to you, talk with you, talk at you, talk over you. It's been so long. <laughs> Likewise. And we will definitely plan our next recording to hopefully be a little sooner than later. Yes. Um, but until then, like I said, thanks for joining me today over Zoom. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay safe and keep streaming. Bye. Bye.